Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. are now listening to Bigfoot and Beyond, featuring the OG bad boys of Bigfoot, the Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive of Squatchology, the Chip and Dale of Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about the cartoon. Please welcome your hosts, the Bigfoot celebrity couple, Biff Clobo, better known as Cliff Berrickman and James Bobo Fay. Cliff. Hey, Bobo. How you doing today? Good, man. Good. How's it going with you? It's going all right, man. It's going all right. Just another day at the museum. Good uh, traffic over the weekend? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, decent holiday weekend. Um, I was expecting a little bit more traffic today. It is Monday. It is Labor Day today. Um, I don't know when this will air, but that's when we're recording it today. Um, so I was expecting a little bit more traffic, but, you know, we're making rent. And to me, that's all that matters at this point. But uh, going outside, the sky is a weird orange hazy color. Because of all the wildfires in the Cascades. What does it look like down there? Clear blue skies and 75 degrees with a nice ocean breeze. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> Not here. <laughs> no. Yeah, just over the hill, though, it's like 112 and hazy skies. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. So I got a good guest for us today, Cliff. It's someone that we both know pretty well. Fantastic. Lay it on us, folks. Today, we got the highly esteemed Brenda Harris down from the Navajo Res in northern New Mexico. Fantastic. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us on Bigfoot and Beyond today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. And it's really good to hear from both of you. That's awesome. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I usually talk to you every few months or so, but we haven't talked in quite a while, really. I know. I was kind of getting worried there, and I haven't heard from Bobo. I'm like, oh, man, I hope, hope he's okay, and I, I've been hearing from Cliff and checking on us and stuff, but I'd message. I'm like, oh, no, I better call Cliff and see if Bobo's okay. I <laughs> <laughs> called Bobo. <laughs> and lo and behold, you called, and I was like, oh, he's all right. <laughs> I thought maybe an interesting first question before we go into the history of your area and your personal research is, uh, do you notice any increased activity with the Bigfoots during times like this when there's fires and brush fires and, um, you know, when plagues are descending upon the land and all that other stuff. Yes, uh, the activity, it seems to uh, really jump uh, pretty high. Uh, well, being that the fires are way back in California, and um, I'm assuming, I'm sure a lot of these uh, Bigfoots are, I mean, possibly could be running towards our way. But um, I remember the fires uh, that we had out here on the reservation a few years ago. Boy, we had a we had a lot of activity along the rivers, uh, down where I live in uh, uh, Fruitland area, upper Fruitland area. Um, but now uh, this year, even though the fires are going on out towards uh, California, out in that that area there, activity has been picking up because of the harvest time, and people have been hearing it uh, yell and. Um, you know, it's going through the gardens. Like last week, I had one that come through my garden and, and uh, took a, a watermelon. So it's been eaten through 
some of my melons out there in the field. So I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, I've been getting reports like that um, uh, right now that, you know, these things come in and uh, raiding the gardens now. Um, I know it's a Bigfoot for sure. Are you finding tracks? Uh, yes. There's been some tracks out there in the field. And also uh, a lot of the people that um, have found uh, foot tracks out there in, in their melon patches, too. You guys usually find smaller prints around your place. When we, oh, for those of you that are yes. watch Finding Bigfoot, you were on the show twice, right, right, Brenda? We went to your place twice, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. So if you saw those episodes, you can. She lives right on that because you think northern New Mexico high desert. There's thick brush along the rivers, though. Yes. The Navajo Nation also in this particular area around uh, Fruitland and all this other stuff in the San Juan River, they irrigate a tremendous amount of the desert. They pipe water up from the river and make sure that they have enough food. I think, I think these are uh, – I could be wrong, but when I was talking to the security guards down there, I, I believe they told me that they irrigate and plant food for, for tribal members up there. Um, and so there's huge farms and whatnot to, to help supply you know food to the people who live in that general area. So this isn't like a desolate desert landscape, um, which is sand dunes for miles and miles. There's a, there's a lot of uh, animals and plants in this area and even you know agriculture uh, for the Sasquatches and people, of course, to take advantage of. That's right. Yeah, that farm actually is right. You can see it right from Brenda's house. It's just like, what, a mile, mile and a half away or something on top of the bluff there is where that picture of the Bigfoot carrying the big oak branch that and the security guard took it. He only took one photo, then f- took off. That's a pretty good photo. Yeah, it was the guy, the security guy that took that picture. You know, I've been trying to uh, uh, get in contact with him, but he he uh, didn't really want to uh, um, uh, talk about it because I guess it kind of shook him up. So, but he hurried and took that picture because I believe it. This thing saw saw him, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And once they made like eye contact, the guy got scared and he he t- he hurried and took off. So it kind of freaked him out. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I don't know what we can search here to find that uh, to find that photograph because I think a lot of our listeners had have not heard, seen that photograph yet. I'm doing a quick Google search right now and I have not found it, unfortunately. Um, you know, I typed in, uh, it, was it in Fruitland or was that, uh, somewhere else nearby, Brenda? It was up here in upper Fruitland in our area. It was on the South side of, um, our home up there, up, up on the bluffs there, like on this little mesa there. Um, I had, uh, I think I have the picture. I can get that sent to you right away. Oh yeah. I also have a copy of it. I just wanted to find a way for our, our listeners to check it out. Oh, okay. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you though. So I, I was well, I guess it doesn't matter. Maybe I'll dig around in the internet while we're talking a little bit, see if I can find a nice, uh, you know, Google search that'll bring it right up or something. So, Brenda, um, I guess we should get into maybe your, your history a little bit. Did you grow up on the reservation down there, or did you move there later in life, or how did that happen? Yeah, I moved out here later in life. <laughs> oh, the funny thing about this, let me tell you a little quick story about this. So, like when I, I was young, you know, and I knew I one day we'd get married, and I always. I wasn't born. I was born in Shiprock, New Mexico, but I was raised in Farmington, New Mexico. You know, when I was like in my teens, I'm like, I'm never going to live on the reservation. I'm going to stay, you know, like in the city and stuff. Well, that quite didn't happen that way. <laughs> well, I married, and uh, I've been out here on the reservation since '86. And um, I tell you what, it was it was very different for me. To, to live out here on the reservation was totally different. Uh, but the area that we 
that I live in now, I, you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. I I love the openness and, you know, basically I can do whatever I want out here um, versus town. You can't really because everybody lives so close to each other. I tell you what, I like it. I love it out here. Um, even though, you know, we experience some pretty strange things out here. But you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I'm stuck out here and I'm going to stay out here. <laughs> I, I really love it out here. Uh, the openness is what I really like. Were you raised uh, with story? Even though you were raised maybe not on the reservation in the rural area you live now, um, were you raised with uh, traditional stories of things like Sasquatches and all that jazz? Not really. Uh, Mom and dad usually kind of kept those things from us. Um, why? I, you know, I don't know. We used to, what? So what we used to really hear quite a bit when we would go visit my uh, grandma out there in uh, Arizona, Pinyon, Arizona, uh, they would get a lot of uh, skinwalker activity out that way. Or uh, in, in Ganado, uh, when I, we go visit my aunt, uh, they get a lot of uh, skinwalkers out that way. And um, that's what I mainly uh, experienced was uh, the skinwalkers. The Bigfoot didn't come in until I actually uh, moved. Um, when I actually, I take that back. When I was out at home back in um, in Farmington, we had uh, in the summertime we had this. I don't know what it was, but I tell you what, it smelled horrible. And we lived probably about a good mile and a half from the Animus River, which meets up with uh, San Juan River, but. Um, during that time, we had lived in a, uh, a single uh, mobile home, and we were on one on the, I believe it was on the north end of the mobile home. We had our bedroom windows open, so all my sisters, we all, there's like five of us in this one room. And um, late at night, we I would hear, uh, we would hear like a scratch, long scratch along underneath the window. And boy, that really would scare scare us like crazy. We're like, what the hell? We'd all get up and jump and run to our parents' room. Like, something's outside and, and it smells horrible. And, um, you know, of course, Dad would get up and kind of look around. But at that time, we didn't know. Was it a skinwalker? Was it a Bigfoot? I don't know um, at that time. And then when I got into my teens and then... Um, when I seen the movie um, uh, Legend of uh, Boggy Creek. But before that, um, let me back this up a little bit here. We used to go to uh, uh, my grandma's out there in Pinyon, Arizona during the summertime. It's like almost every other weekend we would go and um, we had a, a truck and my dad had a camper on there and he made like a makeshift bed in there. And it's like a three hour drive. Uh, from Farmington to out there. So we'd leave in the morning around three, four o'clock in the morning. And um, everybody climbing, you know, just go to see him. We'll wake you guys up when we get to grandma's house. I'm like, okay. Well, on our way, uh, my mom and dad would be listening to the Navajo hour. And so they didn't know that I was awake and I was listening. Well, this lady, she would talk about the San Juan River. And she would be talking in Navajo, but I pick up on things. And then she would say, don't go to San Juan River at night. There's a monster out there. You guys, you know, stay away from there. So I would ask my mom and dad, what is she talking about? There's a monster out there. And she would say, oh, the mom and dad would say, it's nothing. Just go to sleep. 
So I'm like, okay, of course they wouldn't say. And then um, again, uh, like two weeks later, we'd be traveling out that way to uh, grandma's again. And the lady would be talking, you know, sharing the news and stuff. And then she would say, don't, don't go to the river. There's a, uh, she'd say, Sasquatch. There's a Sasquatch at the river. Don't be going over there at night, you know. So again, I asked ask my mom and dad, what is she talking about? How, you know, what is a Sasquatch? You know, of course, again, mom and dad wouldn't say anything. It's nothing. You know, just go to sleep. So I'm like, okay. Well, we were on our way, and I remember clearly, I'm not sure where, maybe it might have been, maybe towards the Kirtland area. But at that time, that we were, uh, there was only like a single road. It's the old Kirtland road, I believe, that we were on. All of a sudden, my mom yells out, Yee, yeah, what was it? Did you see that? And I, you know, of course, I don't know, what was it? What was it? And did you see that? That thing was, it was, it was running across, it ran right across, you know, in front of them, uh, in front of our truck. It ran so fast. She was, yeah, yeah. In other words, she was like, yee, you know, like, uh, like, yikes. What was that, you know? And that really scared her because what she saw was like something hairy and black that ran across the road in front of us on two on two legs you know and just ran you know that really scared her and i'm like what was it what was it you know it's nothing just you know they didn't i guess i don't know why they wouldn't tell us you know they wouldn't say anything so at that point from there it's when i'm like i started getting interesting interested in like what is this what is this sasquatch what is this monster that's at san juan river that this lady's talking about on the navajo hour so when I got when I was in my sorry, in my teens, and then this movie Legendary Boggy Creek came out, so I'm like I'm gonna go watch this. I want to watch this movie. So I went. We went and watched this, and you know, at um, the beginning of the movie, I believe it was one of the guys says there's a, a Sasquatch, and you know I'm sitting there, and this guy says Sasquatch. I'm like, hey, and then I remembered that name. But hey, that's that name that that lady said that was at the river. She said Sasquatch. So I'm like, okay, what is a Sasquatch? And I'm sitting there watching this movie. And then later on in the movie, I you know it shows this big um, black creature, all you know hairy from head down to the foot, you know, to just covered in hair. And I'm sitting there like, that's a Sasquatch. And I'm like, I start kind of putting things together. I'm like, that's what's running around down at. The river, San Juan, you know, the San Juan River. I'm like, okay, that's what that lady's talking about. That, well, no, I was talking on the Navajo hour. That's a Sasquatch. I'm like, wow. You know, I'm like, I I couldn't believe that was here. And I'm like, aren't they supposed to stay up in the mountains? (laughs) You know, you know, I was just like, wow. I was really surprised. You know, from that point on, that's when, you know, I started really kind of paying attention. And then my very, uh, like, first actual encounter, like, uh, I guess you could say face-to-face pretty much. Um, I was in the mid-early uh, 90s. Um, I had my son and my daughter. They were uh, four and five years old at the time. And my husband had left for the graveyard. Uh, shift. He was working at the mine at that time. So he had left for work, and this was in the summertime. And this is where my 
very first encounter with the Bigfoot happened. After about 30 minutes after he had left, I um, was there with my kids, and then we had their cousins come over, and I had my youngest brother there with me. I had the bedroom windows open. I heard the living room windows open, and um, I could hear something walking on the gravel. But what really caught my attention was our dogs. We had, I believe, three dogs at the time. And uh, they were underneath the porch, and they were really whimpering, you know, really crying. Like, why are they crying? I could hear something walking on the gravel up onto the porch. And you have some porches, they they make some squeaky sounds. And so I told the kids, you know, I said, hey, you guys, be quiet. I, I can hear something's, you know, walking you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe some, maybe their next door, or their parents or their brothers are coming over and trying to scare us or something. So I just got to listening. But what, like I said, what really caught my attention was the dogs were really whimpering and they were hiding underneath the porch. And so I was just listening out and um, I was standing uh, right by the couch and my brother was standing in front of me. And uh, of course, I had the kids right behind me. And, um, all of a sudden, I could hear the um, the porch door open. We had one of those, uh, what do you call those, um, screen doors. I hear that open. And then a few seconds later, I could see the doorknob start turning. I'm like, okay, who is this? So I told my brother, open the door, let's see who this is. Oh, he, he was so scared. He, he couldn't move. So I went around him, pushed him to the back. And, of course, I had my deadlock on. I hurry and turn you know open that up and I heard him swung the door open and what I saw standing right in front of me was this tall black hairy thing and the hair of it it was just it was just covered in hair black I didn't get to see the face because it was covered in hair um this thing uh, it was very tall it was over way over six foot tall and I'm like what am I I'm like I was just like startled. I just stood there. It's like we just looked at her and he just, this thing just started off the porch. I was like, oh, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was just like, like in shock. I'm like, I mean, it was not muscular. It was like kind of like scraggy looking. And just the way this thing darted off the porch and ran behind the house it was so fast, I, I, you know, I was just like, oh my, I'm, I, you know, I'm just standing there like, no way, this can't be what I think that, there's just no way. You know, after I had left, still the dogs would not come out from underneath the porch. You know, you know, the dogs are so scared, I could still hear them whimpering. My brother's like, he saw this, and I just looked at him like, don't, you know, just be quiet. Okay, so what was it? What was it? It was nothing, you know, and I'm just like, okay, you know, let's shut everything down. Let's just go to bed. But that was my very first actual, basically, I mean, you open, you know, how you open the front door and you greet somebody in, boom, there it was. That, I mean, that's how close it was, I was to it. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. 
Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso and Satellites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. So my husband comes home and I tell him, you know, what had happened because he didn't believe me. And I'm like, let's go walk around. Let's see if we can find some footprints. So we walked around the house and, and the back was really kind of soft. There's a little bit of mud back there. And the best way that I can describe this footprint, it was it looked exactly almost the same as the one that was in Legendary Boggy Creek, you know, where those two young guys, they're down at the creek and they find a, a footprint down in that creek there. I swear that footprint looked just like that. And I, and when he saw that, he's like, oh, my word. And I told him, I said, see, this thing's here. You know, it's, you know, of course, two people at that time around here, they have seen and they've heard it. But, you know, they, they really kept quiet about it. You know, they're really uh, very quiet about stuff like this, especially about this. Among the natives, you know, we're not supposed to be talking about the skinwalkers, the, the dogmen, the Bigfoot, you know, all these things that are running around, you know. You just leave it alone, let it do what it needs to do, and, you know, let it be on its way. But now, you know, there's been so much activity uh, people are starting to talk more about it and, you know, like, what do we do? You know, what can we do to try to keep these things out? You know, um, the first thing, you know, I would tell them is um, uh, get some light up. You know, back then there was hardly anybody back in 86, there's hardly anybody that had street lights at all, uh, on their property. Now today, uh, when I got the word out, you know, people are, coming to me, asking me, you know, this is going on, this is happening, what do I do, uh, what can help, you know, I tell them, get some light up, the more light you have, the better, but also be careful, because they're kind, of, they're kind of being more daring coming out in the light now, too, so just be careful, so we've had some uh, community members out here that have about three or four street lights just on their property alone. So they've really brightened out uh, their places, which is a really good thing. And Not so for us, when we were there, because there was less of them around, mm-hmm. yep. it was good for them, but bad for the squatchers. That's right. <laughs> yep. Now I remember when I was there. I think you told us about wasn't there some sort of effort to actually clear brush in certain areas to not to, to not enable the Sasquatches to hide very well in certain spots. Yes, uh, that was one thing. Another thing that I, I had shared with the people around here is um, if you have tall weeds, I mean, they're taller than you. I mean, I've come across some weeds that are like six foot, seven foot. Oh, I tell them, you know what, cut those things down. Because if you go behind there, go inside those weeds, I guarantee you you'll find a bedding. Each time, yes, there was a bedding behind them, tall weeds. So people started clearing or uh, cleaning up their places, uh, getting rid of the weeds. Um, also now, down here at the, by the river, about two, I think it was two years ago, boy, they've really cleared out all those brushes. Do you remember when y'all came down, we filmed down at the river, and it was just mm-hmm. tall weeds everywhere? 
Well, they've sure. cleared yep. all of that stuff out now. It's been two years now, uh, but some you can see that some of the weeds are starting to grow back out again. But they've cleared out a whole lot of those uh, weeds around those areas. And you know, I tell people around the trees too, you know, the trunk of the trees, get those cleared out. I mean, that way you can see past that tree. You know, if you see something, you know, that's odd, you know, it might be just be a Bigfoot back there. So. And has that had a noticeable effect on the number of encounters in those areas where the area the brush has been cleared? Oh, yeah. It still comes around. So when they're up here, okay, say like run comes running onto my our property, uh, majority of times it goes running back down towards the river, and it usually stays on those islands where it's very weedy. And then across the river on the north side, which will be like on the state side, there's a lot of weeds. Oh, back in there. So they kind of bunkered down in those weeds, too. Yeah, it was really thick. I, uh, that one episode where we lost the drone, you know, on camera. I mean, I'll be honest, everybody. I didn't actually lose the drone. I wish I did. I did a little drone flying. But, you know, uh, our, our tech guy is the guy that actually lifted it off because he's the guy with the FAA license for the thing for filming. Um, and that's when the gust came and blew that drone across the river. But the next day we went out looking for it. And I wanted to see that island anyway. Uh, because a lot of Bigfoot stuff was happening on that island, and we got some sounds, and it sounded like something was in the brush over there, and, you know, I could go yeah. on and on. But I'll tell you, yeah, for being, uh, like, I don't know what you'd call it, a chaparral or a scrub environment, it is thick and nasty in there. Uh, if you didn't mind getting poked by thorns, or, God forbid, if that actually felt good, like getting your back scratched, and you wanted to get inside there, nobody would ever, ever, ever find you, even if they were looking for you 30 feet away. It's just amazing down there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, because that's where your son had that encounter with the. He had the three other boys with him that were like skeptical, so he said, "All right, come down to the river." And they walk behind your house. You know, you get a lot of people, especially the people that are really skeptical about this. They make fun of you, and they'll go on and on. Well, this just happened to be these two guys, you know, these three guys, and. Uh, one day, one night, they just showed up here about, about 10, 11 o'clock at night. And these, I tell you, these guys had their big old shotguns and they're laughing, making fun of us. And so I told my son, Ryan, I said, you know what? Because mom, they want to go down to the river. I said, okay. I said, go take him down there. I said, but I want you to take him in the backfield where it's pitch black, walk him that way and cut back to the west. So that's exactly what he did. They said they heard some strange noise on the way, way down at the end of the field there where it's really dark. And that really kind of spooked them. And, uh, well, when they finally get to that area, so Ryan, you know, tells them, hey, we'll sit back to back each other. One, you know, this way, you know, so he's telling them how to sit and stuff. They was sat there for about, uh, what, a couple hours. All of a sudden, Ryan hears this like right in front of him shines a light that way and that thing pops up and the guys all freaking out and they're all scared you know it went from laughter to what the blankety blank is this i tell you what it, it changed those guys forever i tell you what when um, that had happened and then ryan and the guys wanted out of there they, they wanted to get they wanted to get home and so ryan's like okay the only way we can go is the way this thing ran out is the way we got to go back out. 
No, I tell you what, Ryan was telling me, he goes, boy, I've never seen some guy so scared before. And um, he said, they start making their way out. All of a sudden, they see this black thing running right towards them. And then he said, those guys about fainted. They got so scared. Well, it turned out to be the neighbor's dog. <laughs> <laughs> and this, the other thing, it darted back towards the river. So it kind of like circled behind them. Uh, the neighbor's dog is the one that they were, you know, when they were getting closer to their uh, house, that's uh, so when the neighbor's dog came running out towards them. That really scared them. So when they finally got back here to our place, uh, it was probably about one thirty, almost 2 o'clock in the morning when they finally got back here. And I tell you what, it was totally different. And they looked at me with... I'd never seen some guys, you know, so scared with even shotguns, you know, they, they just didn't know what to say. They looked at me, there's something down there that shouldn't be down there. So I'm looking like, okay, so don't make fun of us then, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm just, for me, I was like, I told you, <laughs> you know, and I tell people that, you know, don't, don't make fun of someone if they've had an encounter, but you just wait, if you have an encounter, then you'll know, you know, you'll see. And so now these guys, I tell you what, the, the two younger guys, they shook them so bad that I believe one of them ended up staying uh, in their, their mom and dad's bedroom. <laughs> That's how bad it shook them up. You know, it really scared them. And he he wouldn't sleep in his own room. And he, he, he stayed in his mom and dad's room until he could finally, you know, uh, calm down. You know, I mean, that's how bad it, it really scared him. And the other guy, he, he the other guy, he lives. Um, as a matter of fact, he lives along the river there, uh, in the I think it was Hopper Valley subdivision. I think that's where he he resided, and he was pretty shook up there there too. And they would hear some yells, you know. Those, uh, of course, my mom lives in that area. And my brother, some time ago, he uh, just happened to hear the dogs barking like crazy at night, and he got a good recording of it yelling down there at the river. That was probably like five, six years ago. So people that live along, you know, the San Juan River, they, they hear it um, uh, howling late, late at night. Um, they could hear um, yelling sometimes. Sounds like a woman screaming. They're like, wow, that's pretty scary. It sounds pretty scary. Now, in your area, the northern side of the San Juan is just, it's a little bit more developed than the southern side. Do you find that these things uh, maybe frequent one side of the river more than the other because of that development? Or do they just not care and they, they know the routes to stay out of sight? Um, they know the routes were to stay out of sight, but it seems like we get more of the activity uh, on the uh, on the reservation side. Which is the southern side, right? Right, on the southern side, yes. Okay. And it might be because, of, especially like right now during the harvest time, because everybody's going the corn and the melons, those are, those are the things that they like to eat. So right now the activity is kind of, um, it's, it's pretty um, active right now. Uh, we've had this thing come uh, on our property uh, probably two weeks in a row now. Uh, it was here just last week. Uh, got to the valley. It could, I mean, it really smells bad, really, really bad. Is that uh, the first indication that it might be around? Is the smell, or is it animals' yeah. reaction to it, or uh, the? Uh, it would be both the animals' reaction and the smell. Now, just a little bit downriver from you, of course, is Farmington, which is a pretty developed town. Um, are there sightings 
kind of in the, in there, like on the North side of the river in Farmington, or is that just kind of off limits? Nothing really happens there. Cause I'm always interested in how deeply the Sasquatches go into, you know, urban settings or suburban settings. I always find that interesting. It's busy. I mean, it's um, active in, uh, believe it or not, but yes, uh, along the, the, the river in Farmington, we had, uh, I don't know if you all remember, you know, Ho- Hoyt Velarde, uh, several years ago, maybe three, four years ago, he was, um, I think he was getting something to eat, I think, in, uh, there's a little plaza over here by um, the Red Lobster. There's a, a, oh, an Oriental guy, they, were, they had a, a little uh, restaurant there, uh, teriyaki chicken, I think it was. Well, I don't know how they got talking about Bigfoot, but he took Hoyt to the back where the, to the dumpsters and he showed him this huge footprint and because the, the river's just right there. And so he found this big old footprint right by the uh, trash, uh, the dumpsters. So yes, the, the river there, people do see it. There was, as a matter of fact, there was a lady and her husband that were eating at the red lobster and, um, it was uh, probably looking maybe, oh, I would say, mid-afternoon. Um, I was, um, as a matter of fact, how I, how I found out about this one was when I was ordering some shirts for a conference. And this lady was telling me there, one of the workers was telling me there that, hey, there's a lady that seen a Bigfoot there. They were eating at Red Lobster, and she just happened to be looking towards the river, and she tells her husband, I didn't know they had bears out here along this river. And she said it was hunched down like it was um, trying to take something out of the river, like uh, maybe trying to catch a fish or something. She's I didn't know they had uh, bears here. And he got to look and that's not a bear until this thing stood up. She's like, oh, my God, that's a Bigfoot. You know, it's right there. You know, you can see, I mean, you know, if you go into Red Lobster, they have these huge windows to the south or the river. I mean, it's just right there. And she just happened to be looking out and she thought I was a bear. I'm like, no, we don't have bears. And when this thing stood up, she said, turned around and it walked back into the tree line. And so she got to see Bigfoot. It was, you know, just right there. I believe the color of that one, she said, was uh, reddish brown, I believe. She's pretty tall, that's what she was saying. So how would that be? You know, like, uh, like people ask me all the time, have you seen a Sasquatch? And what if I, what if my, my only honest answer was, yeah, sure I have. And well, were you red lobster? Yeah. That would would just complicate (laughs) things dramatically. I think. (laughs) Oh yeah. Enough. It's bad enough to say you saw one and get believed by most people, but to say you saw one in red lobster, you know, without the the story (laughs) associated with it. Hey, now, Brenda, you mentioned something. You just said that this one, uh, this, you mentioned this one's coloration. Um, we're talking about a fairly small area, you know, just a few dozen miles up and down a river, um, and probably a mile or two or three on either side or so. Um, uh, how many different descriptions of Sasquatches do you get from this area? Like what do you think it's the same, I don't know, three to five of them or what what do you think is going on there as far as the population and the numbers of them based on the sighting reports? Okay. The, the um, descriptions that I get from the ones in the Farmington area is um, brown to reddish brown. Uh, There's some, the one over here close to, 
the Northern Edge Casino, which is where I live in that area. Uh, Reddish Brown. Uh, another one in uh, another Lee Acres area. I believe that one was uh, a dark brown. Along my area where I live, I've seen one that uh, a couple of them uh, that are black. Now, as you go further to the to the west, which would be towards uh, Ninahinzad area, uh, reddish brown again. Out in the Hawback area, there's uh, one that I call salt and pepper looking, like a grayish color, grayish silver color, salt and pepper color. And where was that one? Yeah, uh, Hawback area. Okay. And then there's a white one somewhere in that area, along with that uh, grayish and white one out that way. Is also, there any way to know if these reddish brown ones are the same one going up and down the river, it, like or not? It, there's, it could be. I know there's a family of them that's out here uh, somewhere in the uh, Northern Edge Casino. That the the family of that one is reddish brown. And so they, you know, like you said, they could be the same ones as moving around because they're moving around quite a bit up uh, or, uh, along the rivers here. Then you got the black ones, the the dark brown ones that are out there towards more of the Shiprock area along the river out that way. And there's a white one out that way too as well. So there's uh, there's several, I would say there's quite a few of them running around uh, in our areas. There are different colors, um, you know. Running, like you said, too, it could be the same as it's running back and forth, too. And, of course, you've seen juveniles in the area as well. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so those are obviously very different than these other ones, no matter what the lighting. Because I was thinking, okay, lighting, dark brown versus brown, sure. Those are just words, right? Or even uh, I could even see how brown, like a dark brown could look like a black under certain lighting, you know? So that's a little that's ambiguous. Right. But when you come to different sizes, where they're, and how big are these juveniles that have been observed? Uh, they're about my height, which is about, uh, five, probably five feet to six feet. Uh, the, the biggest, um, report that I've gotten so far has been about, uh, seven to eight feet tall. Oh, there was one that was nine feet tall. I'm sorry. Um, uh, that one was very muscular, very big. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Another thing uh, people would have heard about this is Skinwalker Canyon actually is right across the street from her house. It's where you come into the little village there in Fruitland. And I spent a week down at that river mouth, and I didn't hear anything specific, but there were some creepy sounds at night. There were some things moving in the brush, not real big, probably human-sized. I think it was those small ones came around a couple of the nights. Yeah, skinwalkers, that's another whole bag, man, because I never gave them much thought. And frankly, honestly, Brent, I didn't know much about them. I'd never really been exposed to that because in my everyday life, skinwalkers aren't really an issue. You know, I I didn't have to know about them. But it was visiting you on our first trip down there that I really started learning a little bit about those sorts of things. And you you taught me about them. I didn't know anything about them until you shared that with me. Um, I kind of feel for you um, having grown up in a place where skinwalkers are a thing, you know, because in in my little suburban life of, you know, Southern California and Long Beach, California, I didn't have to worry about skinwalkers tapping on my windows at night. 
Um, but yeah, man. And then to think of Skinwalker Canyon and stuff, that's a horrifying thing. Are those things still like, what are, is that still a concern in, in people's everyday life? Oh yeah. Yeah, it is. That's, that's one thing that I don't, um, <clears throat> I don't, uh, bother to investigate. Oh, I'm with you. I, I just don't care to, to do that. Cause it's nothing, nothing but, uh, a lot of witchcraft in that. So I stay away from that. Yeah, if you go yeah. looking for trouble, you're probably going to find it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And do you think uh, a lot of this dog round stuff is just skinwalkers? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's really hard to say. You know, I'm getting uh, some reports of, of this dog man um, hanging around uh, along the area, too. I'm like, is it? Could it be possibly a uh, a skinwalker? They're like, oh no, the this is not a skinwalker. Um, skinwalkers, they it's almost like they don't want to be seen. You know, if you see them and you recognize who that who that is, they'll die with like in three days. And this is a dogma. This actually this dogma actually looks like a huge dog. But it's a man. They say he walks on two legs, and I do believe that people do see that because I've got you know I've have so many reports of these things. Um, they say it's very big, you know, very huge. Have you seen tracks? Uh, the tracks are are pretty big, uh, really, really big. And they're definitely uh, canid, like for sure, uh, like a canid track. The one that um, there was only one that I had seen, but what made was what made it kind of hard to uh, say that it almost looked like a canine track was that this where it stepped on was really sandy. So you know how sand is when you step on it, it doesn't really give a good impression, but it left a huge to me. It seemed like a huge footprint of a almost looked like a. Um, an, an elephant step, you know, the foot, you know, how it's kind of round and big. Right. It left that kind of impression. And when I had spoke with the mom and the daughter that had seen this thing and what they described to me, and when I went over there to where this uh, mound of dirt was, where they were sitting and stood up and walked around, but I seen, you know, the tracks were, I mean, they were huge. I and I couldn't make make of it. Was it a uh, like a? That's what I was, you know, looking to see was like a a canine track, you know, but a huge. But two of that also, like I said, it, it stepped when it stepped. It was uh, sitting in, uh, in an area where it's very very sandy. So when you move that kind of dirt around, it, you know, you don't get a good impression at all. So when I took a step, I mean. The impression, it was so deep into the ground of the sand. And so when it would lift up its its foot, all that dirt would just like, like cave back in. So it didn't leave a good impression. But it was huge. From what, uh, I'll give you, what had happened real quick is I had gotten a call from a lady that lives in the Chaco uh, River, I think it was, uh, down towards the west it's probably about a good maybe 15 miles from where I left to the west. What had happened is on a Saturday morning, they let their sheep and uh, goats out. So they have like three or four um, sheepdogs that take them down into the canyon. 
and they stay out there all day and the dogs know when to bring them back up about four o'clock. Well, the mom and daughter uh, uh, took the dogs and, you know, open up the, the, the corral. The dogs take all, lead them all down into the canyon. And by nine, and that was about seven o'clock in the morning. By nine o'clock, they noticed, you know, the mom was just sitting there talking. All of a sudden, they had, they had their front door open of their home. They're just talking. All of a sudden, they see their sheep back at the house. They're like, what in the world? Why are they back up here? So they had like a total of 30 sheep and goats, you know, mixed together. So they gathered what was all back at the house, put them back into the corral. And they were missing um, two sheep and a um, ram. And they were missing one of their sheepdogs. So they went driving back down into that canyon there. And uh, when they drove down in there, they get down in there and they noticed that there was um, the skin of the ram was ripped off its body, the whole thing. And it was thrown to the side. And the head was ripped off its body with the backbone still intact, thrown to the side. They're like, oh, my God, what the heck happened? So they're driving around down a canyon looking for their sheepdog and the other two sheep. They couldn't find it, you know, and they kept driving around. So they went back to where this other ram, that where this ram was dead. And so they sat there and they're like, that couldn't have been a pack of dogs that did this. What the heck? You know, they're kind of freaking out. They're like, what in the world attacked them? So now right across from where they were parked, and there's like a, a wash that's, uh, right beside them. And you have to like climb down in there to get on down to the other side, um, to the east side. And right on the east side, there's like two mounds of big dirt. And so the mom was just sitting there. Daughter was on the driver's side, and and the mom was sitting on the passenger side. She's looking at her daughter, like, "What? You know, they're trying to like, what in the world? What happened? Like, could it have been a pack of wild dogs that did this?" They're like, "No, not the way how that the the sheep of the skin, the wool. I mean, the whole skin was pulled off of them." And the mom was looking at the daughter, and she just happened to look past her daughter. Now on these two mounds of dirt there. She sees something move, and she's like, "What is what is that over there?" She's like, "Oh my, you know." She's her daughter looks. And they were watching this thing, so this thing stands up. They're like, "Oh my god!" They said it was very tall, very muscular. They said they, I mean, the chest was just. Just you could just see the massive muscles on this thing, uh, like on arms. She said this thing stood up on two legs, walked around the mound, and she said it had a long, fluffy tail. The color of this was um, uh, salt and pepper color, like a grayish and, and black, white, you know, mixed together. And she said this thing walked around the mound, and then. They're just like, what? In this, and this thing, as it was walking, it stopped, she said. It turned and looked right at them. And when they made eye contact, she's, oh, they, they got so scared. They just, like, froze. And so they noticed something else move right behind this other one, moving right on this mount. This other one stood up. There was two of them. 
But this second one was a little bit smaller than that first one. She said the exact same color. Um, it was big too, but not very muscular like the big one. This one turned around, walked on two legs, saying it had long, fluffy tail. They both walked around the mound where they were sitting on, walked around, and it was gone. They Once they saw that, they said that's what killed the, the ram. They took off back to the house, and the next morning, they went back down. They wanted to retrieve that um, the skin, the wool. They went back down there, and they noticed that um, the head was gone, and the the wool, it, this thing came back, and it ate the skin that was still on that wool, and it, the wool was scattered all over, and it, that really scared them. They didn't know what to make of that, and so when people say they see this dog man, that's what they're seeing, uh, it's what, they, uh, what this mom and daughter seen out there. And that's what is what's running out towards, probably running around towards Randy Yazzie's place. A lot of people in that area have seen it run across the road. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I found those those photos from the, the res, like the security guard photo. And there's a couple other photos I've seen before, but I forgot about them. Uh, what can our, uh, how did you find them? What did you type into Google search so our, our listeners can go and look it up as well? I just typed in... Uh, Fruitland, New Mexico, and they popped up. Brenda, Brenda popped up, and then the Bigfoot stuff was like the first stuff. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It doesn't happen to a lot of cities where the, you type in the name of the city, and the first thing that pops up are Bigfoot photographs. Right. Not enough. That'll all change eventually, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, we did a couple expeditions down in your area, Brenda, and there's a lot of memor- There's a lot of events that I, I will always remember. You know, meeting you and going out in the woods and losing the drone and 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 just all that sort of stuff. Talking to the security guards who had seen him before, all that stuff. But one thing that is emblazoned in my mind is when Bobo got attacked by that turkey. That is one heck of a story. Cue music. <laughs> Well, gather round, it's Bobo's story time Dude, he's gonna say some things that'll blow your mind Classic And if you say he's lying, he's gonna kick your behind For sure Once again, it's Bobo's story time any description of felonious or criminal activity is being told here strictly for entertainment purposes and is in no way an admission of guilt or even true for that matter. Bigfoots and dogmen and skinwalkers are the only thing to fear down there around Farmington. Brenda took us to one of her friend's houses that had just had a, a Bigfoot setting down the riverbed behind the house. And it was a cool spot that had uh, the old ruins. Yeah, we, we go there and she's like, they have a pet turkey. They love the turkey. Um, just ignore him because he's a, he's a, the, the family loves him. He's, a, he's like their favorite pet. And I'm like, oh, so we get there. And then first, Madison, our producer, gets attacked by the dog. Oh, that was at your house. She gets bit at your house by your dog. And then we go over to that next house, your friend's house. And that freaking turkey picks me out of the crowd and just zeroes in on me and starts coming up and attacking me. And I had to defend myself. I was using karate kicks and stuff to finally to get it off me because I didn't want to hurt it because the people were there. I'm like, I don't want to hurt their turkey. And I kicked it and it just got it madder. And it came up and it spurred me again right through my pants and slashed me open in two spots. I had full bloody. I got a scar. One left a pretty good scar. And then I felt bad. I was like, but I gave it a full karate kick in the chest and it went flying back. 
but it still wanted to come give me the, the, the people that I ended up running and jumping in the car to get away from it. Um, and you know, Bobo, if you're not trying to hurt a, hurt a turkey, you don't use karate on it. You have to use Aikido. <laughs> you can, my thing was, it was, the thing was tough. Like it, I thought like, I, I was afraid I broke its neck or like kicked in its ribs or something. You know, like I thought, man, I kicked that thing pretty hard. It did not phase it at all. Didn't even damage his waddle, huh? No. <laughs> and that thing stalked me the rest of the time we were there. It kept trying to sneak up on me and get me from behind and stuff. It just, it just did not like me. I remember Hamill, uh, Chad Hamill, who of course has been a guest on our, our show. He came up to me and um, he like tapped me on the shoulder and he's gasping for air. And he pointed over and there you were like 40, 30, 40 yards away from us trying to kick this turkey that is advancing upon you and pushing you back further and further. And Chad is just gasping for air because he's laughing so hard. And I, and I, I of course had to join him instead of helping you because I wasn't going to do anything to get in between a predator and its prey. That that, that Turkey was going to bring you down and I wanted to see it. Oh man. It was, it was a big I'm, turkey, I, man. Huge. It was huge. That's that's part of the biggest turkey I've ever seen. And I thought, I was like, well, you know, it can't be that bad. And, and it what like it's and its wings were strong. And it was hitting with its wings. They, I mean, it, it wasn't like painful, but it, it it definitely was a little a little hurting, you know. And yeah, the you spurs. Fought a dinosaur. You fought a dinosaur. That's yeah. true. <laughs> I'm a big boy. I have a, I think I have a video of him <gasps> on that turkey. I'll have to look for it and send it to you. Oh, Brenda, <laughs> if, if you can find that, we'll put it up on YouTube for everybody to enjoy. I'll do that. I'll, I'll look for it tonight. <laughs> I could have kicked that turkey's ass if I wasn't holding back. <laughs> yeah, and Brenda, if if, uh, if you can't email it because it's too big, if you want to throw it on a, um, a thumb drive, um, I'll pay for shipping and I'll buy the thumb drive for you and stuff, okay? <laughs> okay, sounds good. So, Brenda, uh, what's next? Is it just business as usual and taking reports for you, or do you have something on the horizon you want to tell us about, or what's been what's what's coming up next for you? I'm still doing like uh, uh, investigations. So the reports I get, I go check into them. Um, there is one area that um, I can't wait to get into and stay the night out that way, out in the mountains. A uh, lot of activity. Uh, this area where this uh, uh, young lady was telling me about her cabin has been uh, broken into. Uh, some of the shutters have been broken. Is it like a vacation cabin or like a residence? It's a, um, it's more like a a, a ranch where they have their their cattle and sheep up there in the mountains. Uh, they had uh, a guy that was, they hired a guy to, a couple years ago, they hired this guy to um, take care of the sheep out there at their ranch at this cabin. There was so much activity and, you know, the Bigfoot um, activity. He just got up and he left. He goes, I'm never going back up there. He goes, your sheep's still up there. He left those sheep out there by themselves. Uh-huh. And this Bigfoot just came in and just started taunting him, I guess, really bothering him out there and, and it really scared him. he must have had a pretty bad experience for him just to get up and leave and this is and up so, in the chuska mountains or, or uh, chuska yes. mountains sorry yes uh-huh. i just recently learned i've been saying it wrong for years it's chuska mountains not chuska so yeah. 
Well, all right. You know, got to keep us posted on this stuff. And, you know, the next time uh, uh, we have an opportunity, we'll have you back on the show for an update of the stuff that's been going on. Sure. I sure will. Thank you so much for having me on. It has been really good to hear from you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Brenda. And say hi to your family for us. They're all very nice people, too. And please stay safe, of course. You know, there's a lot of weird things in the world. I mean, not only the coronavirus and stuff, but apparently, you know, skinwalkers and dogmen. So uh, don't go looking too closely. You know, curiosity killed the cat. Stay safe out there. Will do. You guys be careful, too. Take care. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. Thanks, Brenda. Bye. Thank you, Brenda. Bye. Another good one, Bobes. Yeah, Brenda, she lives in the spot, man. That place is so active. And she, I mean, you can go any direction from her house and you're going to get more squatch habitat that's viable and active. I mean, the people, I think because the resources are so concentrated there and so few and far between that when there is a good zone, the people in the Sasquatches are in the same type of zone. So they, they interact a lot. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you because frankly, it's unlikely habitat. If you looked at this place on Google Maps or whatever, and I encourage our listeners to do so, you'd think, no way. There are not Sasquatches. There's desert a lot. And most of it's just desert. Why would there? No. Because you, you've heard the skeptics throw around a million reasons why somebody could not have seen a Sasquatch. And the habitat is often listed amongst those things. Any sighting from this area would be doubted by skeptics. But if you know people in the area and you've seen the evidence and you've talked to a few dozen, maybe a few score witnesses, you would know that apparently Bigfoots haven't got the message, man. They haven't got the memo. Bigfoots right. don't seem to care about our expectations of where they should live. They just find a, an ecological niche and uh, they exploit the heck out of it. And here in this particular area, that niche is small mammals, snakes, deer, and uh, raiding food supplies that the humans leave around, whether it's the melons that are being cultivated in the field or the dog food in the bowl. There is a ton of food, a ton of habitat, and it's kind of nasty, a lot of it. You know, The desert is not a friendly place for the most part, even where there is water. Um, no. But this is a really interesting thing. And this is, this is one of those areas. It's kind of like the Pine Ridge Reservation. This is one of those areas that taught me a long time ago through Finding Bigfoot that just because it doesn't look like a Bigfoot should be in the area doesn't mean one isn't. Yeah. Well, cool, Cliff. That was another good one in the books. I'm looking forward to our next one. we got some good guests lined up coming up. So I guess until next week, folks, thanks for listening. Keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond.